Welcome to episode 14 of Whole Lot of Wolves. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. And I'm Paul LePage. And joining us this week is Alex Winter. He's in Altamont Springs, Florida. Alex, you say you're part of two groups, actually, Florida Wolves and Orlando Wolves. So tell us about that. Sure, of course. Florida Wolves generated from Facebook itself with a there and has been around since 2017. Um, and so it has uh, over 100 members, 122 members, and it is officially recognized uh, fan group by Wolves itself. And uh, basically as people spread out throughout the, the, the state of Florida, but mostly, mostly down by the Miami area. And that was where our, our last big meetup was with one of the fan fest, uh, the Premier League fan fest happened down in Miami, all the people that could come ended up to meet up and create that camaraderie. But because there's a lot of different ones uh, down in Miami, there is a offshoot that was created a, a few months ago, Orlando Wolves, which is about like 30 some odd members has only had just the, the one meetup due to, to COVID. But, but basically it's four people that are either visiting Orlando for the theme parks and whatnot and, and want to know where to, to catch the Wolves game or, or have basically made up for that or, or basically for people that are closer not wanting to drive the uh, three hours down to Miami area to get together. And so that's pretty much uh, about those groups. So is it a lot of work dividing your time amongst those two? It is a little bit. I am not the head of the Florida Wolves groups. That is actually uh, someone called Paul Smith. So mm -hmm. he handles more of that. I handle more of the Orlando group. But it's it's something that basically we haven't gotten too much into. But once things settle down, I'll definitely be doing a lot more events. Though so we'll definitely be doing one for for the baggies next month for sure. Alex, tell us how your wolf support came about. Sure, of course. I was going into the college in, in 2008, and, and I had a, a good friend who was a, a big um, football fan, a big soccer fan, and really got into it with him. And he was a Manchester United fan. And the typical American I was uh, potentially thinking about picking one of the uh, the big sides of that. And the one advice that he told me was to not pick a big side, that it's not as, as fun as picking a smaller side with it there. And so it, it took me the rest of that year. And of course, that was uh, the year that I just got promoted from the, the championship with uh, Mick McCarthy. And I loved his, I loved Mick's interviews. I loved the way that they played. I love sort of the scrappiness and always uh, going for it and the giant killer mentality that they, they always have. And, and that sort of stuck with me. And ever since then, I, I've stuck with Wolves, uh, even through the bad times down in in League One, but I've uh, I've been definitely enjoying the highs now in the Premier League more than that, of course. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go straight into this game. It looked like we were going to get at least a point out of it until we didn't. What was your thoughts after the game? Paul, I'll let you go first so you can vent. <laughs> Weirdly, I'm not as distraught today as I was the previous week. Oh good, we're making is, progress. And to an extent that I think the disappointment is there obviously with the loss but it's the same as it would have been with a draw 
And I think having that last minute kick in the guts obviously was disappointing, but yeah, a draw, a loss at that point, I think I was more disappointed that we didn't win because on the balance of play, I thought we were the better team. We carved the better chances. We were a lick of paint away from Silver scoring on his full debut. Oh and man, yeah. That would, have, yeah. that would have turned it all around and he would have been wonder boy best debut ever scores on his debut all's rose in the garden i had the firm belief just watching all through that game there was a negativity in my stomach that if we didn't score first there was likely something negative to happen either that they'd score and we'd have to tie it up or they'd score and we wouldn't be able to claw it back that's what happened but I was always of the feeling that if we scored first, then we'd go on to win and win fairly comfortably. It had some vibes to me at certain times that it was like the Crystal Palace game where we played some good stuff. And yeah, I think if we'd have scored first, we'd have have gone on to win. I think for them, it's quite interesting. I saw a, I think it was Wolves Analytics on Twitter today, break down the, the game from a statistical point of view and we actually played better via all the metrics that they tell us than when we beat them at their place after lockdown last season and I think it just goes to show you that they've invested and they have become a better team not necessarily in the 10 players but what a difference spending some money at the goalkeeping department oh, makes yeah. because yeah. he kept them in it and he was arguably man of the match. I completely and agree. Yeah, absolutely. Th- th- those are the fine margins. So my only disappointment is they really didn't jump out the gates and really go at them and take that Liverpool loss more painfully and really think, oh, we're going to turn this around. You know, that 4-0, that was embarrassing. Let's put on a show. Let's really attack him from the off and try and go for it. It was still somewhat conservative and a little bit negative as far as that was concerned and while they were patches from the forward four each had a little moment throughout the game I thought Podence throughout was fantastic he was he was the best out of all of them but when there wasn't someone in addition to him continually throughout the game as a forward four then that created an, an imbalance to me that we needed someone else giving their a game who was really at a level that Podence was. Neto had flashes, Silver had flashes, Triori did well. He got to the byline a few times, put a couple of decent balls across. But there was not that consistency from the forward four that if you play in that formation, that's what's got to happen. What did you think, Alex? I think a lot of it for Wolves, they were the better side. I mean, they forced Emi Martinez into seven saves. I mean, they got quite a few shots on on target, and even the silver one hitting the post was very close. Uh, That was a good effort by that, especially Donk's effort. It was an excellent save by Martinez to really uh, keep Wolves off. I think that would have turned the tide in the game. But when a goalkeeper is on their game with it there, and especially with a team like Wolves who've had a bit of trouble scoring this season, it gets them a little bit down and it has them pull back, which ended up causing the uh, the penalty to have Villa win it. And also the uh, the second yellow card for Matinho to be out next week. And, and that's a big freshman award against a, a very tough Chelsea side. But it's uh, it's something that there are some positives to to take from it. 
But I, I really hope that they really take this, that they need to be more confident, more clinical in their finishing what Nuno said in his press conference to basically utilize that towards Chelsea and, and Burnley, who, who both have, especially this year, revitalized defenses and have done very well. Well, Burnley, of course, has been great defensively throughout. Chelsea has since uh, Mendy came in and they've really restructured things, been able to keep guys from scoring on the road. So you mentioned that second yellow, and I think obviously the penalty was well-deserved. I don't think there's any argument there. Samedo did foul it. But as somebody that's new to the EPL, it's probably not a good sign that I knew when I heard Mike Dean was the referee that, ah, crap. (laughs) How... (laughs) Like I said, I'm still pretty new to the EPL a couple years now. Has he always been this bad? Because he's like, for American sports fans, he's like Joe West in baseball and Scott Foster in the NBA. Like, absolutely ridiculous calls. He's the show. That was frustrating to me. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, it's, I mentioned in actually the game yesterday, it was Mike Dean's 3,000th yell of his career. And, and they actually equipped, not uh, the local announcers, but throughout I heard they equipped is that his 3,000th yell today. Yeah, <laughs> that's sort it of, felt like that's, it, yeah. <laughs> that's sort of how he always makes the show about him. And he, he always tries to, to give a penalty, even when it's uh, potentially uh, software there. Remember, Mike Dean was the the ref when we gave the two penalties against Car City in the season we went up. And uh, and basically, he's always looking to to point the spot more than let play go on there. And it's it's frustrating when you're on the the wrong end of things. But that's how he is. And, and you just get the luck of the draw at times there. I'm not sure if either of you saw the Instagram story that Podence put out last night where he picked those clips from the game and the first was his foul on Mings that led to the free kit that went into the box and from which the penalty came off. And when you keep on watching that, it's obvious that Podence gets his neck wrapped around Mings's arm, so he didn't do that himself. The defender did that, then he crossed his body across Podence and fell down and brought Podence down. So that was a foul, which got given the other way. And then he replayed the Triori penalty claim versus Grealish, which was exactly the same in terms of scenario, which didn't get given, got waved away. VR looked at it, nothing happened. And then on that story as well, he showed Moutinho's second yellow that his foot was nowhere near it his arms had come up even before the kid had ran past him yet he still went down got a book in and and off he went again it just shows the issues that we've got with these officials again it brings in technology brings in a lack of consistency and it's starting again just to show what's wrong with the game that officials are more of a talking point var is more of a talking point uh, and not the players and Something is wrong with that dynamic, and it, it can't go on much longer, surely. Yeah, it also seemed like there must have been a, a sniper or two in Molyneux w- with how often Aston's players were hitting the ground. I know there was one where they showed where Grealish and one of the other guys both hit the both ground at the same time. time. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, that's the magic bullet right there. Yeah. Jeez. 
They would I mean, I mean, it's I the same. That helped it. Yeah, it's the same thing that happened uh, when we gave up the uh, the last minute goal to to Sheffield United last season, the end of last season. It was a dodgy free kick near the end of the game, and and they converted. Just it was a dodgy free kick to allow the penalty for Hervilla to convert. And both of those games, the Wolves were were controlling the game a bit with it there. Now Villa more than Sheffield United, but it's something that has hurt Wolves for a while, and I think sometimes it comes down to the fact that they're not a prototypical English team, while Villa and, and Sheffield are, are prototypical English teams, even though Villa doesn't have that many English players. It's just because it's a fan of the of the Prince and sort of a royal old school team with there. It's it's something that's favored more by the Brits than the current incarnation of Wolves. So let's talk about Silva now. Yeah, like you guys were saying, he just barely missed the goal. But overall, he provided what he needed to as far as the link-up play, and he was fantastic in the air. I think I saw he had one aerial duel, one coming into the game, and I think he had eight in this game. Just tremendous job. He definitely showed his potential. Yeah, I agree with that. He's, I mean, at 18 years old with there, you look at Raul Jimenez was in the reserves at Club America. And the fact that that Fabio Silva is doing this in the Premier League is incredible. That he's creating these different things. People, when they think of the exorbitant fee that we paid for him, he's going to be, he's a homegrown player, essentially, in terms of the Premier League. Because he's 18, and then he'll spend three years with Wolves, and then he'll be a homegrown player. So think of it as the British tax added on to it. With that, if you consider that in consideration, like compared to Ollie Watkins, who really did not do that much against us yesterday, it's uh, Fabio Silva, I think, is going to be a, a big bargain. Now, do I think he's going to have these Cristiano Ronaldo comparisons that were given to him when he came in? No, I don't think yeah, so. But but I think that's he's going to be a very solid striker for us and uh, a good backup while Rule is with us and definitely a uh, solid replacement for him moving forward. There were some positives during the uh, halftime show on uh, NBC with Danny Higginbottom and he was speaking positively of him and how that link-up play was doing good and he, he was dropping deep and interweaving play that way. And I think Higginbottom was only really saying that the only issue at the moment is his physicality is not there. And it's not going to be when you're 18 and you're still effectively growing. And then you've got the rough and tumble of the Premier League to contend with and those big centre-backs. So, yeah, for everything that went on yesterday, I think he can come out of it with a lot of credit. He did well. And just on the basis of that performance, I can see the goals coming. I really Mm -hmm. think that it's going to be, as soon as that first one hits the back of the net, one brings two and he's going to go in a little run. I don't think there'll be a question of him in terms of goal scoring that's going to come. It's just development now and he's under the spotlight because he's the main man and those kinks that you have to iron out and develop, that's going to come in time and through age and growing up. So another positive, I thought Cody did a good job rebounding from uh, that disaster. Cool. And also uh, Marsal again, really just solid guy over there. I think he's very dependable. Anytime you have a left back who just he's kind of the announcers aren't saying his name very often. I feel like that's a good sign. Yeah, I think the back four really up until 
the last point, like effectively the last kick of the game. I think they all did very well. And I was really surprised at Saiz coming in, mm-hmm. which was a shock, really. I think it was a big call to to drop Bolly. But when you start to think about it, someone had to take the heat for a 4-0 loss. And it, it wasn't the captain. And I think that's what put Bolly, put his place in jeopardy. Kilman, I think, was probably still learning and suffering from effectively the mistake for the Southampton goal. So that this was Saïs' opportunity to come in. And yeah, he did pretty well. Him and Cody looked fairly solid. And Samedo, up until that brain fart, the last minute of the game, I thought he did pretty, pretty well. Tough opponent, Jack Grelish, England international, all his tricks and dark arts. Punk. He's phoning a punk. around. <laughs> yeah. He's I a punk. He, he, he did well, and it's just, I find it somewhat insufferable that there's this clamour to, to find a scapegoat and someone to pin the blame on. And he made an error, and sometimes that happens. But to say that the transfers are bust and it's a waste of money is just laughable to me. So I think he'll he'll get over it. He's still adjusting. There's a heck of a player in there. It's got, that that's going to take time. I think we we may need a, some patience as a fan base to see that come to fruition. But it's all there. But we'll see come Tuesday night if he's going to pay for that with his place and Hoover gets a start. I think that'll be interesting. Or whether Nuno backs him and says carry on. I think it'll be a, in, an interesting call come that lineup. He just kind of panicked once he got nutmegged on that play. But honestly, you could say at least three quarters of the right backs in the Premier League probably would have made a similar play that would have led to a foul. It was late in the game. He knew, uh oh, I got beat here. They may be able to lay it up in front of the goal. It's just a bang play. Yeah, it was a mistake, but I think a lot of people would make that mistake. You know, I agree. Yeah, there's quite a few uh, right backs that would would make that mistake. Premier League right backs are are generally meant for uh, attacking in in these times, and they're not as much uh, defensive creatures. And the way that sort of Wolves are are doing right now is is holding Semedo back and not really pushing him forward that much. That's uh, why I think they brought in uh, Marsal in to to really fill in and have that defensive, that effective third center back there and allow Semedo to, to push up, but he didn't necessarily do anything. And hey, he's still getting adjusted to the Premier League, and he's he's got a, a lot of talent in him. There's a reason why Barcelona bought him, why he started all those games for Barcelona. He has that talent. To, uh, he's just got to really fit into the system and understand how the rest of his teammates uh, work out with that. So and now we need to talk about something that we were talking last podcast, Paul, and that's Din Donker's just inability to finish in the box again. I had a couple of chances, and I thought it was really bad, the one that went straight to the keeper. I don't know if you noticed, he had already started to turn to run towards the sidelines to celebrate. Again, just those flashes that we saw from the forward play and that chance from Neto setting him up, if that had gone in... That would be all over the highlights and look at this play. What a fantastically executed bit of filth and finished off. And yeah, just so disappointing that that one was an opportunity that wasn't brightening the highlights for all of us. But it, it can't keep happening and we are, we are short of goals. 
and it's one thing that we're pointing to the forwards that they need to address it. It's another thing that it's coming to those players, then they're getting chances as well. And that's part of Dendonka's role. And he's he's the box guy and he needs to be getting in there and, and chipping in. I'm, I'm going to say it again and, and until it happens, he's under the spotlight because he's going to find his place under pressure and it may be someone that they're going to have to spend some big bucks for and buy because if they are playing that formation, then that, that's pretty crucial. And it's not, it's not just him. Again, it comes down to that forward line that they've all got to contribute. And Traore, again, for me, that he had his opportunities as well where getting into the box. He's got, to be, he's got to be doing more as a genuine goal threat now. He's got to be adding five, six, seven, eight goals a season to to mm-hmm. really take that step up. And again, in that position, he's he's not a winger. In that three, he's a tucked in, advanced advanced forward on the right. And if you're playing more cut in from the flank, then you've got to start adding goals to your game. And there was that chance I think he had an opportunity it may have even been the build-up to that that if he wasn't confident I think Podence was free on his right hand side he could have been played in there was two guys on the left so it comes down to decision making have you got the confidence to take it on and get the shot off yourself and make the keeper work or are you going to be uh, sensible and put someone else in who's got an easy opportunity so I think that needs looking at as well and comes back to those Comments of Nuno's that if it, it's coming down to that, it's coming down to this is the area that they've got to improve on because, yeah, defensively, apart from one mistake, they held their own pretty much. Yeah, and they tried to go ahead and fix the creative midfield that box to box and bringing in Vitinha alone, but Vitinha hasn't really settled in and they've had to rely on Dunker again, who's a lot better as more of the strong tackling midfielder than than offensively. But the fact that Matinho is still doing excellent in creating chances, but there's no one that really can go ahead and move forward, especially since Neves has a phobia of the box. <laughs> there's no one to really be that in-the-box midfielder. And uh, and Dendonker is not really suited for that, but he is trying his best now. He has had some golden chances um, lately, and that was a golden chance to, to put Wolves up with it there off of the uh, the Rabona pass. And, and basically, it just didn't end up working out. And he does need to be more clinical with that. I, I do agree. But I, I feel that it, he, he needs to contribute. But I, I don't think that's really his type of play. I don't think he's a massive goal scorer. Heck, when we originally bought him, we were thinking it was going to be a center back. Center back. Mm-hmm. So it's he's not one that's supposed to be that attacking midfielder. We really need but to basically get in more it's basically move midfielders forward or have or have a winger potentially transition into a cam. But but that is, I don't think, even though Troyori is probably a little bit better as a more central thing, as a more central striker, I, I think that he is not one that will, will adapt well to finding the right positions. I honestly think that he needs to be benched for, for the next game just because he has only three shots on target the entire season and is is without Raul, is not really the best one in terms of finding other players. He's more looking out for himself, giving him a hopeful cross with no one to reach there instead of creating on his own, which is what Wolves need right now. 
that's interesting. What do you think about that, Paul? I'm inclined to agree that he needs taken out of probably the Chelsea game based on the type of formation and the players that will be coming up against. I think it's more of an opportunity to have that freshness from the bench with Traore on Tuesday night that he he can offer us something different if needs be come the second half. I thought Podence had a, had a good game yesterday and he's the one to me that seems to be shining more as that 10 that's mm-hmm. able to sit in be behind the, the front forward and work his magic that way. I think probably Tuesday, and we'll come on to it obviously, but that this is going to be looking at something in terms of the formation that if we are staying with four at the back, which I think he will do based on the quickness of turnaround in terms of the game time, he's got to look to be more solid further up the field. And I think that will maybe see us lose Traore and maybe see a start for Vitinha. And we've also got to factor in that we haven't got Moutinho. So I think we could see more of a 4-3-3 with Vitinha, Neves, Dindonka, maybe Vitinha a little bit ahead of those two. And then Podence and Neto is more out, out wide. Yeah, I just... I struggle to take out Adama just because I do feel this season he plays better starting than coming off the bench. I think of those three guys, the best one coming off the bench is actually Neto. However, with Motinho out, they need Neto in this next game because he's their free kick specialist. I think we would all agree if it's if they're not going for goal on a free kick, then he's their best option right now, even with Motinho in there. And that's another thing that has to improve as well. My goodness, how many short corners are we going to take? Yeah, they do like to vary things up, but they've been ineffective in scoring from corners and also defending on corners. And, and that's something that does need to improve, especially with how tall some of our defenders are in, in Kilman and in Bali with it there. It's, they should be doing better in defending set pieces, but they're, they're not quite hitting those marks. Now, the short corners are supposedly more effective than just the direct into the box ones, but it's more about variation and the fact that Matinho does pretty much the exact same motion to the exact same place each time is very predictable and and it's hard to score goals when the opponents know what type of free kick is coming in and what type of uh, corner is coming in. I, I agree. I think it's nice to see that variation and at times on Saturday it was exciting that something different was going to happen and there was a slight difference to the build-up but still it came down to that final delivery that wasn't cutting edge and it effectively petered out. I don't think one opportunity got carved from a corner and it's not like these corners are happening and we we generate in solid chances from it and the goalkeepers making saves it's often breaking down before it even gets to that attacking intent in the box or it's petering and it's going in there. It's not whipped in. It's easily defended. As you say, it's predictable, even if they change the motion up to the point of delivery that yeah, it, it's still not being whipped in, that there's still not nothing coming off 
when it gets into the box and it's another area that they need to work on because you're getting into those positions from a set play and, and nothing's happening and time again let's end the recap portion here on a good note how awesome was it to see all the photos of Raul Jimenez visiting the team this week you know what smile on his face it seemed like the players were relieved Nuno seems to think that hey Raul he's gonna come back just how nice was that to see on social media I know that put a smile on my face it was very nice he came back very quickly with that and that's a great sign for him moving forward that his career isn't over that he can certainly come back either late this year or uh, start of next season and really going ahead and continue leading the line for our Wolves. But it was an excellent sight to see and how emotional everyone was when they got to see Raul. Yeah, I agree. I think it gives intent of what he wants to do, that he's probably clamoring at the bit to be back and wants to be in and around it again, which again, after such a short amount of time is fantastic because he may be saying, I, I fell off the horse, but let's get back up and start riding again, which is fantastic and just what we want to see as fans. But I think everyone wishes that he takes his time and everything's where it needs to be. That was such a positive that he was up and out and on his feet and no need for any noticeable support or anything like that. So fantastic. And just as an extension of that, what a huge and great effort of the fan base back in England and across the world who contributed to his banner as well, which I thought oh, awesome, looked fantastic. Yeah. Uh, everything that went into that really showed what our fan base is capable of most of the time and to have that collective coming together and everyone rallying behind him and the cause was amazing and it, it looked brilliant and huge pats on the back to everyone that helped bring that together i thought it was uh, great and very fitting well guys it's a double game week as the Fixtures are starting to get a little crammed in here in December. So we got two games. We got Chelsea on Tuesday, and then we have Burnley the following Monday. We're going to start with the Chelsea game. Chelsea seems like one of those teams. It's kind of up and down over there. Defense is a little bit shaky. What do you think Wolves need to do to come away with a victory and in this little losing streak? It's going to be a tough one, especially since Everton beat Chelsea in, in the game this weekend. What it's going to need is, is again, you don't want to wish people to be unhealthy, but Pulisic has been banged up, and hopefully, for Wolves' sake, that they're not going to play. And really, it's stifling their creativity, because in terms of their attacking threat, they don't have that much. In terms since Werner and Havertz have not been doing much for them this season, and uh, it's really just neutralizing their attacking threat on the wings and, and uh, just pulling uh, ahead on the counter. And it's really what we need to get back to the Wolves that was successful a couple of years ago in beating those big teams. It's just basically sit back and just strike when the time's right. My only worry with that, Alex, is that if Tammy Abraham starts, <laughs> then he's got the potential like he has done in the past to bully us. And I think with an 
if we are leaning towards four at the back again, which I think we are, that could be a tricky proposition for the two guys if it's looking like it'll be Cody and Saiz again to, to get to grips with that. The, the flip side may be that if he's the sole guy up top, then Saiz effectively has a man-marking job just to kick him out of the game and win the aerial battles and, and try not to give him a yard. But it, it, Tammy Abraham's a funny one to me because I think if it was... And it, any other team, he may not be the player that he is. If that sounds funny, when it comes no, to it's playing, true. Yeah, yeah, it comes to playing the walls. He just seems to have a have a an on button that he goes off, and the next week he could be playing whoever they've got and be half the player that he is. I think that, that there's something definitely happens when he sees us as an opponent, but yeah, it's got a few parallels to me. I hope it's positive that. It goes back to the first season where we started to get found out in those early games and teams started overloading us in the middle of the park. And that's when Nuno switched it for that Chelsea game and Gibbs White came in as an extra midfielder. And it was more the first time of seeing Raul and Jota up front as a two. And we went on to win and, and play pretty well. And the rest they say for that season is history. That was a turning point and it was a night game and we were in the doldrums somewhat at that point. So maybe there's some positive somewhere that Tuesday turns in into that. Yeah, I'm see, I'm going to disagree on you saying that the back four looks like it. I would not be surprised if they go back to the back five for this game, because we talked about last episode how we seem to have lost a little bit of the aura we had when we were going against the top six teams. And I felt like some of that was because the the 5-3-2 or the 3-4-3 um, three, three that they were running worked really well against those top teams that were attacking because we could play counter. I feel like Nuno may look at that for this game and go, you know what, we're going to go with the old reliable because we know this can be successful against a team that has a lot of attacking and just try and get them on the counter again. So I'm going to guess they're they're going to try and pop back in with a 3-4-3 three, three this week. Yeah, I think three at the back is definitely a possibility in my thought process. Um, I think Sace is, is going to actually be a further forward one with it there. It's either the 3-4-3 three, three or have the two defensive midfielders and Neves a little bit further up. And, and basically, Saiz this season, even though he's normally has actually been uh, a better upfront midfielder than Dendonker has when talking about that earlier. And I feel that he will, will get in a little bit, but probably it is going to be safe staying at the back and and basically trying to go ahead and counter, maybe bring in uh, Aitnori onto onto the left hand side to get some attacking on the widths. But but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how Nuno plays with it. If he wants to continue to build on the the fourth at the back formation, or whether he wants to just audible for uh, this game, especially when he has uh, a few tough games uh, coming up after this week and and Spurs and Manchester United. I think with the formation that it may be drilled into them now, the, the three at the back, that it is an easier conversion to revert back to rather than going the other way. I only think that he, he may stick just because 
it's such a short turnaround in games. But seems three at the back, five at the back was so consistent for so long. You'd think that if the players are comfortable in making that switch, which they, they should be, then it's a relatively easy transition to pick it up again. And yeah, the benefit of that is that we've got that. We're, we're struggling to figure out what it might be. So Frank Lampard must be doing right. the same as well. So that's a positive. Yeah. And with the players that we've got at our disposal now, I think with either formation, we've got some more flair and some more talent. And yeah, personally, I would go more defensive. I would try and, and get a point and see what else we can get on top of that. If we get all three, that's a tremendous bonus. I think a point on Tuesday is going to be a really good result. I agree. I would like to see a three-five-two with Potence actually serving in that number 10 role, so playing ahead of Neves and Dendonker, and then going up front with Neto and Silva. I'd like... I think that could be a very intriguing one. So you still have a little bit of that offensive creativity with potence there while also being able to hit on the counterattack. That would be the formation I would really consider going with against Chelsea. And, and yeah, it's I'm all those different ones sticking with the four, three, three doing a three, five, two with a there, whatever is going to get us the three points. I'm happy with. So let's hear the predictions for the Chelsea game here. What, what do you guys think on it? Well, I personally think I think we are going to end up getting uh, a point that's going to be 1-1. I, I think uh, our I think Tammy will end up getting one past us, but uh, I believe that we're going to push ahead forward and come back to to get the the first goal but just fall a little bit short of getting the, the three points at home. I'm going to go ultra negative that I'm <laughs> hoping for a point because it's funny if we we get a point on Tuesday I'd be happy with and then if we went to Burnley and you'd say, oh, you've got to go to Burnley away, would you take a point there? I'd probably say yes at the same time at the moment. So that's two points. But then looking at it like that, I'd rather take a loss on Tuesday and beat Burnley mm-hmm. the following Monday. So that I'd rather have three points than two. So that's a real prompt that we might lose on Tuesday if I can guarantee with the the powers that be that we guaranteed three points on Burnley. So that's what I'm hoping for. So I'll go, we're going to lose 2-1. Yeah, 2-1 was what I was thinking as well with a a loss to Chelsea. And I could see it being a late Chelsea goal that they used to pull away. I I do think we'll hit them on the counter once to be able to score. But Chelsea's just really strong attacking. And right now... I can't see us scoring more than one goal. They're going to have to show me otherwise before that. So let's look ahead to Burnley then. I've been saying, hey... Let's go with the three-man back line against Chelsea. I think when you're going against Burnley, that's when you go back to the four-man back line because I felt like the whole reason Nuno's trying that is we always had the struggle of breaking down teams like Burnley, like Newcastle, those guys that just sit back, play defense, and that's the opportunity they have to bring out that front four and see what we got. 
What do you guys think? Uh, I think that we should go pretty ultra attacking against Burnley. They've had a, a lot of struggles in, in scoring this season. Uh, this is a game that I think, similar to how we did earlier uh, this year, is put Neto at, at left back in and basically have uh, Poden, Silva, and Troyore up front then. I think against Chelsea, Troyore is, is sort of better served on the bench. But against Burnley, I think that physicality would be really helpful to go against those Burnley defenders and hopefully uh, open up some room to create something. This fixture in particular for me puts a marker in the ground as to where we are as far as this transition goes, if that's what's actually happening, because it's been a tricky place for us to go these past two, three seasons now. And where are we? Is this going to be the transition that needs us to make these incremental improvements which means going to turf more and getting a win which we haven't done i too am of the opinion that we need to go there and attack and even if that opens ourselves up somewhat it's not like it is a team like a chelsea or a spurs that could really punish us obviously they've got some talent and they've got proven premier league players who've been a thorn in our side in the past but for me, it's a fight fire with fire type of fixture. Yeah, I think so as well. And and I think you're bringing up a good point as far as, hey, that's where we're going to see what this season's philosophy is all about. If we do go with a lot higher attacking, because that's where you really want to be able to take advantage of the pace that you have up front is again, the guys against uh, Burnley. And if you're able to throw Podence and Neto and Adama up there, a team like Burnley, while they're physical, they may struggle with stopping that kind of pace. We've never been that side, neither at home or away, that we've rocked up at an opposition's ground and dominated from the first kick and gone on to win three or four, especially when they're these lower-placed teams in the bottom half who, who are battling for relegation, it's always been a struggle against these sides. Mm-hmm. Norwich last year, we went 1-0 down and played dreadful that first half. Huddersfield the previous season, shocking, dreadful. Yeah. They only got three wins, two of them were against us. We've never been that team to rock up and really bully an opponent in their own backyard and go on to win and look confident and, and arrogant in doing it and yeah is this the next evolution of the team that we're able to go to these opponents that they're in the lower half and really exert our authority and, and win well and win comfortably that would be that would be nice for sure yeah it's something that i don't expect us to to score a bunch of goals at, at burnley but I'd consider it more of a couple seasons ago when we attacked them with 30 shots and we got just the, the one goal late with it there, but basically kept on pressing and pressing. And that's what, what allowed us to, to really control the game and, and pull off the, the victory there. So what's your prediction then for Burnley? I am going to say it's going to be 2 nothing. Um, I, I don't expect us to score more than that uh, and actually be uh, fortuitous to, to be 2 nothing. But I think that they will, they're, they're desperate points, even though they beat Arsenal, even though beating Arsenal nowadays is nothing to write <laughs> home about. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think they're really going to, to try and push and a little bit and getting some goals, knowing how suspect and how well they've they've 
combated against us in the past. So I think that they'll go forward a bit more and we'll be able to uh, snatch home a couple and then hold on at the end. Here's one. I've already said we're going to lose on Tuesday. So Christmas comes early when we rock up at Turf Moor and I may be drunk on eggnog, but get this. I'm going Burnley one, Wolves four. Paul, do I need to come over there and uh, check your temperature, make sure you don't have corona? Yeah, (laughs) maybe. It's up and down at the moment. You know what? Just go full Clive and say 5-1 then. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. I've got got a feeling in my bones for four, but yeah, we'll see. That's for sure. (laughs) I'm going with the philosophy that until they score more than one goal, I will not be predicting them to score more than one goal. So I'm going to go with 1-0. 1-0 Wolves against Burnley. And it may be another it may be another late goal. Hopefully it's not a shady penalty kick that seems to happen against Burnley since that happened both the games last year. So this week we did not have any submitted stupid questions, so I decided to make one up. You guys ready for it? Go for it, Josh. Go for it, yeah. So the transfer window is obviously coming in January. There is a certain player who is available for free who used to play with Nuno. Would you take Hulk on the squad if the reports of him taking a 90% pay cut to play in the EPL are true. It's, Hulk has uh, a lot of different things. He did well at Porto with with Nuno, definitely. But he's been at China for quite a while with that. Now, uh, we know that Odian Nagalo came back from China and did okay with Manchester United. But but Hulk is is quite a bit older than him. He's, he's 34. And now I wouldn't mind him as a, a bench option, but I really don't think Hulk is, is someone that would crack into our starting lineup. And and really, I would uh, pass on him for right now, just with how our, our team is structured based off of youth instead of aging players outside of Matinho, who is just class all around. I've got an issue period of players going to China, so... It's a big fat no from me based on that. If that was his intention, late 30s for one final payday, is he really going to be that motivated to rock up and and give it his all? I, I don't think so. And I think as a character and what you just mentioned there is that age, money involved, it just doesn't seem to fit the mould. And... The one player I saw mentioned today that I thought was somewhat more viable, but again, for me, gets discredited because he's gone there already, was Salaman Rondon, that we were reportedly interested in him previously in that season when he left Newcastle, which was not last season, the season before. But from the time, there may have been some questions. Raul was out and way ahead, chosen number nine, and if Rondon had questions about playing time then, what's going to have changed in those couple of years? And he's lost more tread on the tyres now. I think he's 31. Yeah, I, I I question that whole route from China back to a competitive league 
if it was me, I would have looked to have pitted myself at the highest levels and then looked to China for one final payday, early 30s, 32, 33, because you've still got at least two or three years over there to make your money that way. So yeah, I'm a no for both of those names that have been mooted. I'd be okay with Hulk if it was just going to be a six-month deal. Six-month deal, hey, just come in. We're not even going to guarantee how much you're going to start because we need to have Silva in there. If he takes that little short-term deal, then I'm okay with it. I think that's, like we've said a few times already since Raul got hurt, I think it's smarter to try for a short-term loan or just a short-term signing like this would be just to get us through the season and then reevaluate how Raul is there. But it would certainly get some media attention over in Wolverhampton if Hulk were to show up. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. In terms of a, a loan itself, I, it's going to be difficult to to find players to, to come in and fit in with the style at Wolves. Look at even established good players take about six months to, to bet in fully. And so, honestly, I'm thinking that they might recall one of their strikers out on loan. I'd say probably Rafa Mir because he's he only has six months left on that loan in, in Spain, and uh, and maybe getting a little bit of playing time in the, the Premier League after doing decently in Spain might end up might end up boosting its value a little bit after uh, flops in the Championship. I think for me, the ship sailed on those forwards that are out on loan and that got me thinking it was more the previous week it was which players are out there in current EPL squads that would be swapping like for like for example when Ryan Bennett went to Leicester last year that mm. he was effectively swapping a seat on the bench at Wolves for a seat seat on the bench at Leicester then that got me thinking is, is there any attackers out there that may do the same and the one that stood out for me I can't really see it happening was Christian Benteke of Palace that could play as that forward as a one who up till last week was predominantly on the bench but then his first start he scored and he scored the first goals that he's done in for what seemed like forever and again he got the start today I think it was so is there any players of those that we could be in for that's again not necessarily going to mind too much that they will be coming off the bench more than starting. Is there anyone in that mold kicking around? And yeah, January is tricky at the best of times to sign people and let alone in this very specific niche type role that we want to fill in. It's going to be a big ask. So Paul, we have some social shout outs this week. You want to go oh, ahead yeah. and give them to us? Yes, we've got three this week. They all came off Twitter. So folks, just a reminder that if you want your name and location broadcast across the podcast ways, either get in touch on Twitter or our Facebook and we will give you a shout out. Wolfman Jeff in Alabama, he's been in touch. Thanks, Jeff. Always appreciated of that. And we've also got a new one this week and it's on Twitter. It's from Swaggy Duck and he's given us a shout out from Philly. So Hi to Swaggy, respect to Philly up there. Thanks to have you listening. And uh, finally, we've got Dave Branwood, and Dave gives us a shout out from Gornal. Now, Dave, you'll have to get back in touch and tell us 
whether it, that's actually Upper or Lower Gornal. It's somewhat a little like North Dakota and South Dakota. There may be subtle differences that our listeners need to know about. So do get in touch and tell us about that and also what state is Gornal in. I think I'd like to know that also. So thanks for getting in touch, Dave. Really appreciate that. Gornal to me sounds like a, a Scottish dish. No, I'm messing with you guys. <laughs> Gornal is down the street from where I grew up and Dave's a friend of mine. So. Yeah. I was going to say, is that like haggis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't really get haggis in, in Gornal, but you can get some strange stuff. So, yeah. All right. So closing out this episode here, Alex, can you tell your listeners how people can learn more about Florida Wolves and Orlando Wolves? You would find out more of them via the Facebook groups. Just type in uh, on Facebook, Florida Wolves or Orlando Wolves. They're both private groups, but since I am uh, an admin for both, I can go on ahead and, and let you in and you can uh, learn more about different events that happen in each of the different groups. Listeners, thanks for your continued support. If you are tuning in for the first time, then please subscribe like the podcast, share it with a friend who might be getting into soccer for the first time and discovering the walls like Alex did. And also give us a five-star review on your podcast listening platform of choice. This helps us massively to push a whole lot of walls out there. We will be back directly after the Burnley game to see how we fared in these upcoming two games. And we're also going to be doing a big bumper preview of the upcoming busy Christmas period and now listeners we have an absolutely huge announcement that's going to be made during that episode so I really encourage you to tune back in and listen because it's going to be a special edition of the podcast early in the new year that you'll get to be directly a part of and I'm going to give you a little clue I'm going to tell everyone that we are taking America back to school. So be, be sure to tune in next week and find out how you be able to get involved. So in the meantime, stay safe, look after each other and up the walls.